You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week we are talking buying. It's a big topic that so many friends of mine around the barbecue, family, colleagues, trying to figure out how they get their toes in the water, either for the first time as a homeowner or a an investor trying to get a property that actually stacks up from a subdivision or development potential. Everyone right now, given the supply issue in the market and the constant demand levels that we have seen over the last couple of years is asking that big question. How do I get my foot in the door with some level of confidence and value to make sure I'm not paying too much? Or how do I even just buy a property right now? It's never been so hard. And the reality is data-wise, it's never been so tough. I've got my good friend and colleague, Lachlan Delahunty. He manages Performance Property Advisory in Western Australia, Perth's largest buyer's agency. So he's got all the data, all the anecdotes to share with us today. He's a fantastic storyteller and a great guy. He's in the studio to share those stories and a number of tips for us today. Lachlan, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Trent. That was uh, quite the introduction and this has been long overdue. It has been long overdue. I think it's gotten to such a boiling point in Western Australia that I thought we can't not do this podcast today. I believe if I was to do a bit of a poll right now as to what do you want to hear from our listeners, it would be please, what is the secret sauce to being able to secure a property right now? Not even something that's at a 10% discount that you might expect from a really good deal or that a buyer's agent might be able to secure for you. Not even an off-market deal if that's Mm. what it is. Just how do I buy a property property right now at any price point along the spectrum, any housing type? We know there are some housing types that are far harder in some areas as well than others to buy. And you've got those stories and that data a lot of wins and a lot of misses as well, which is the reality. Yeah, far of the more, far right more misses than, than wins, that's for sure. I think we're up to our 11th contract that we've missed out in the last three weeks, and that's just that's the nature of the game we're in at the moment. If that was a reality for you and your team three years ago, would you be saying there's serious questions to be asked of what's going on with your team? And obviously, a different story now. Yeah, absolutely. Like when we started buying in Perth, and we haven't been buying in Perth forever for, for the obvious reason the market was flat for a long period of time. But I was running around Perth in late 18, 2019. Then there was, what, 19,000 properties on the market and agents were begging for us to put offers in. And, and then you look back then and I think, remember the first property we bought for performance property in Western Australia was a property in Mount Lawley on 5th Ave. Advertised for 120 days at 125 and I put a cheeky offer in at 1-1, got accepted within two hours. Yeah. Right? You know, as a, as a buyer's agent, <laughs> your heart stops. Yeah. It's a win, but your heart stops. If they accept the property you offer in the first hour we've overpaid yep. and I was looking through all the data I'm like that's a really good deal and since then they sold it late last year for 1.45 so they did really well out of that but at the time it's like okay have I overpaid straight away you've got have I overpaid having won a bid 150 grand lower than the asking than the price. asking price but that was the, the makeup of the land in 1890 when there was so much uncertainty so much stock on the market we just had 10 years of a downturn no confidence in the market we fast track here where we are post-COVID in 2023 and now there's as of last week 5,600 properties on the market and it becomes really, really difficult. And like I said, we're trying to buy 20 properties a month. We've been able to hit that benchmark for the last 12 months. But now we're in a situation where we've missed out on 11 offers in a row, and that's because we're in a rising market. And so it becomes more difficult, but there's certainly different things that we're trying to implement to try to get in front of this market that's inevitably going to get harder before it gets easier. Well, I'd like to think that if anyone can buy it, it's you and your team. You guys buy for 
strategic a lot of the time for me personally these days given the time i've gotten given how hard it's gotten as well it makes sense to use a professional even for someone like myself who is a professional in the space as well yep. the manpower on the ground the strategies involved we're going to talk today about some of those secrets that you guys have picked up over the years the ip so that all the listeners today who may be interested in hiring a buyer's agent may never be interested in hiring a buyer's agent to be able to secure a property can maybe implement themselves or think well maybe that's a little bit too hard or or too time consuming for me whatever it is that reality will talk so we'll share some of those stories I'd like to firstly reference again the dynamic, the power shift that's occurred from buyer to seller, from sales agent to buyer's agent over the last four years. So four years ago, I remember myself prolifically buying properties as well for clients. You'd have agents calling you multiple times a day saying, hey, I've got this on market, off market. And the question would be, Trent, what do you want to pay for it? What will it cost me to take it off my hands sort of thing, yeah, right? Exactly. The time would be afforded to me to be able to do my numbers. I would always focus on subdivision development properties, obviously. You guys do a lot more a broader spectrum when it comes to purchasing. I would do my numbers. I would say, look, I can pay you 500 grand, mm-hmm. knowing that they probably want 540, 550, 600 even. And oftentimes, it might be a 505 or a 510 that gets the deal done and that the money's been made already in the purchase. If I needed to buy a couple of properties a week just myself off my own back for clients, it was easily done. Yep. Share us some of those stories that extend further if you can on the dynamic so that people can get a reference point for where it is in those times one day it will get back to that again one day we will see a downturn in perth again if people are more interested in buying in that time of the market then we can start to bring it back to slowly what it looks like today for us yeah and and being in other markets obviously been from victoria been here for 10 years now and being predominantly an east coast business prior to buying in wa we've been through different cycles so we're seeing this same cycle play out recently in brisbane in adelaide in some regional markets geelong ballarat so the i suppose the beauty for us is Although it's new for a WA you know, context that we're seeing a rising market where stock's tight and it becomes really difficult because it's hard to justify what we're paying now when you consider what we're paying in 2018, 19. Mm. But we're still very early phases in the cycle and what we're seeing in Brisbane and Adelaide, I suppose, demonstrates where markets can get to and how challenging it it's can like get. It's like looking into the future a little bit, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. The culture, the behaviours, they're not unique to those cities. They're exactly. not unique to Perth. You can look forward into some of these markets that have already received that time of the cycle and there's a little bit of a safety net in Perth, isn't there, for us that we're generally behind at the end or the start, whichever way you want to look at this cyclical, this circular cycle of, of growth. Exactly. Where you can learn the lessons from other cities and you can also be insulated as well when it comes to prices, given our price point right now. Exactly. So 2019, yep. tell, us, tell yeah. us a little bit more about what life was like back then. We're at now where Brisbane was four years ago. So 2018, 19, it was a playground out there. There's so much stock in the market, you become quite fussy. and, and Expectations you know, from your buyers would have been very high. Absolutely, because you're buying into a soft market where there's no confidence. So we've got to structure good deals. So the client's expectation, if something is on the market at 1.2, that we are buying at 105.0. You know, how that's changed significantly. There's one we just missed out on, Duncraig, as we speak, that was advertised from high nines, and there's, there's an offer on it at 1.2. You know, we've got 10 buyer's agents on the ground. We have education every week to talk through a different scenario, what's happening in the market, because you need your finger on your pulse. Because if you go into a market now and you might have been looking at properties 12 months ago and prices for properties are going on from 1-1, expectation it's probably going to sell around that. Well, you're probably going to miss out because the market's moving that quickly that sales three, four, five months ago, 
is really irrelevant. If there's a street sale that was sold six months ago on the same street that you're buying and you're referencing that as your price point, well, you're going to miss out. Mm. You've got to be in front of it. What sold you know, last week? What's currently under contract? Information in this market is so powerful because what sold last week, what's under offer this week, is so much more important than what sold six months ago. Yeah, and that data is not often available to clients, to buyers out there right now, to the general public, that stuff that's quite fresh. I want to talk about servicing and and affordability as well and reference the timeframes too because I think that's becoming a bit of a factor for a lot of well-to-do, aspirational people that are in their 30s, 40s, got the young family with the dog and maybe three, four years ago, they were looking to buy higher ones. I've got some clients of mine who have, been coming back to me saying Trent we're thinking about making that purchase now they were talking to me three years ago and they still want the higher ones I plug it into the mortgage calculator and they're at one two Mm. Uh, servicing probably wasn't as much of an issue to double check yeah absolutely and that's made it really difficult like I said if people were in the market two years ago two things have changed their serviceability's changed they can't afford what they probably could have but the market they're trying to buy in what you could get for high ones is now low to mid twos. Mm. A lot of people haven't really caught up to that or, or accepted that, have they? Even for us, we're buying in these markets all the time. How do we pay nine fifty for the same property we paid eight fifty twelve months ago? That's a psychologically it's hard. It's to get hard past. to get your head around. And and as buyers agents, we're constantly toying with this. Having the experience on the east coast, you soon see buying in a Melbourne market in two thousand and twelve, where we're buying in Richmond for, you know, a million bucks. Now buying in two thousand fifteen and sixteen, buying that same property for one point five, that's now worth two. You see, if you just got to get in front of the market, if we're going into a rising market, which I think we both share the belief based on the data that we're tracking, we're very much moving into probably quite an aggressive market here in Western Australia once we see confidence back in the market with the cash rate. So trying to buy in this market is having confidence in where it's going. You sort of can't have hindsight in mind of what things traded for two years ago, one year ago, because otherwise you're just going to continue to miss out and then you're going to be in the same situation in 12 months' time and then you're going to be looking at what traded in today in, in June 2023 and go, I wish I had got into the market then. We've seen this play out in COVID. COVID hit, there was a lot of uncertainty in the market. Where we're at at the moment, there's uncertainty around interest rates. When you look at the best buying, it was really in those sort of first six months when 2020, right? And then people who were looking in the market in 20, early 22 were going, oh, I can't believe what this traded for in 2020. I've missed the market. Yeah, I've said this a number of times. I call this non-buyer's remorse. I have a specific couple of mates of mine who in 2020 were looking in Mount Hawthorne Mm -hmm. on Coogee Street for one of those standard 480 square meter character homes, 950. And, and now it's one two five. Yeah, but it's going to be one and three so one four because it keeps getting five. away from him. Two things are happening. One, he has that remorse that oh, how can I buy it now when I'm paying more than it used to be? I'm overpaying now. That's a perspective. Yeah. But also the serviceability keeps eroding and eroding and eroding. Yeah, yeah. And now it's nearly a case where he couldn't even afford it. Absolutely. And there's macro factors as well. You pick up the newspapers, nothing but bad news. Mm. You've got low and cash rate continuing to go up. So I understand there's uncertainty. You'd hear this every day though. That example that I've given you is something I assume you would see every day and there'd be a lot of people who have probably come to you defeated, fallen on their sword and gone, if I don't get some help here or I'm just never going to buy a property, I have all the preparation possible. And I would assume that a big part of the help on top of the manpower and the relationships with sales agents is actually the education to say, mate, this is the reality. If you want to buy that property that you think put 1.2, that comes on the market for 1.2, you've got to budget 1.3. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen for you. How many times do you have to see the data, have to rock up at an auction or rock up at a home open and have 30 people through 
for you to accept those facts, especially in those aspirational areas that sit between probably your West Leadable and City Beach. Yep, yep, through to Coddles, 100%. And the perfect example is, and this is what I say to the buyer's agents, if you're not buying, and it's not going out there, the good deals of buying significantly under market value are gone. They were back in 18, 19, and 20, right, when people on their knees and needed to sell. So what's the service now? What's if, if It's getting into the market, yeah. and that means paying what something's worth and not trying to be too cheeky, too creative. It's trying to create solutions, and I'll talk about different ways that you can put a deal together that's not just focused around price. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the key is getting into the market. And the perfect example, we had a client that was looking in Claremont, back in 2021 and at that point in time their budget was low twos and we were really pushing hard to get a good deal we found something at 2-1 we thought we were buying quite well it was probably worth 2-1 at the time we weren't getting an exceptional deal but we're paying what it's worth we probably didn't push the client hard enough at the time to say this was a good strategy we're buying in a, ri- in a rising market fast track six months later they didn't proceed with that purchase 2-1 budget in Claremont was impossible. They needed 2-5. So they end up getting pushed out of Claremont and get pushed into Mount Claremont. So we've actually done a client a disservice by not giving that advice about getting in the market when you are buying in a rising market. So the responsibility lies with us and our job, our duty to our clients is to give advice to get them into the market. Otherwise, we're going to cost them money in the long time because if they're sitting there for six months and the market moves by 5 7%, all of a sudden, at that level, we're talking a couple hundred thousand. It's easy to look in hindsight though yeah. and it's hard at the time whilst you may have an inner confidence that sits deeply in you on your experience of how this feels based on other markets around the country about what the data is telling you empirically when you're consistently fighting the fear factor of the media of the general herd mentality that is generally looking to turn the herd around and go back where you came from then it sometimes is hard to stand up with fortitude and say I know this property will be worth more in a year's time because the last thing you want to be is that snake oil salesman that some people suggest people in real estate can be mm-hmm. who are spruiking things that haven't happened yet. Exactly. The facts of the figures are what the market we're buying in today. That's the only known, right? What's it going to be in 12 months? Conservatism is the safest environment sometimes yeah. as a consultant. But then as you have pointed out, you can look back in hindsight and go, I wish I wasn't so conservative with these clients at that time because my gut feel was correct. We are exactly where we thought we were going to be. Yep. And the feel continues to stay on the same path between you and I. We talk every week about where the market's going. And my perspective on this is exactly the same as yours and that there is only one direction this market can take. There is noise around interest rates in the same way there were noises about COVID. There are noises about global uncertainty, which to be frank, seems to be a theme of my life. Uh, Since we've been born, there's been global (laughs) uncertainty. I don't know why that fear keeps becoming fresher and, and it fresher. recycles itself. Yeah, it does. It recycles all the time. The what has continually moved in a direction that supports qualitative assessments all the time is that demand-supply dynamic. And Absolutely. I need to keep harking back to everyone listening here. This is the fundamental power play in any market. It is the relationship between demand and supply because what it does is it paints a picture of the key data points, which are population growth, and wage growth on the demand side and construction and mortgage stress on the sales side. Those are the four points, two on either side, that determine where prices go in any city in Australia. When you boil it down, it is that demand-supply relationship, demand being tracked by weekly transactions. You can look at it on rewa.com. It's really not hard to find. If you track it every week, you'll see where that lies and how strong that number is and remains versus supply and this is the most important number that is so easy for everyone to understand if you just had a notepad and you keep writing this number down since two years before covid as i've said many times in this podcast you would see that number reported by rewa run from 
March 2019, which was 17,000, through COVID, where it hit 15,000, then 13,000 being a balanced market, then 10,000, where we start to see growth in the market, then 9,000, then at Christmas time this year, it was 8,000, then at March, April this year, it was 7,000, and then we've just broken through 6,000. The natural zero needs to be about 800 properties because that's the amount of properties that are coming on every week right now. We are buying 950. Yeah, we we're are, losing 150 We're properties losing a week. 150 properties a week, and we've been doing that consistently since COVID. That's why the number keeps dropping because we are not selling as many properties as we are buying, and that number has not changed. That dynamic has not changed, and it keeps getting tighter and tighter and mobility keeps getting worse and worse and now we're in a situation where even people who have great equity have their houses paid off are ready to buy cash can't even sell their own home because they wouldn't know where to live and that's the biggest bottleneck in the market right but back to your point we've got a situation where demand significantly outweighs supply and if you look back at any market in australia when you've got those factors where demand outweighs supply and a market is affordable we're going to see a run in prices. And that's what we're seeing in Perth, right? There's still an affordability play here. The only uncertainty at the moment is around cash rates. And this is what I'm speaking to clients all the time. We don't know where the cash rate's going to finish, but we know we're, we're much closer to the top than we are from, from the bottom, right? Well, we so, thought so. We thought so at 1.5%. Yeah, we, we did. thought so at 3%. At 4.1, you know, general commentary around, you know, particularly the majors, is that we're closer to the top than we are the bottom. Mm. We do know that cash rate at a point in time, whether it's in three months, six months, nine months, will stagnate and potentially come down at some point. At that point in time, you think it's tough buying in the Perth market at the moment when there is a level of uncertainty around the cost of money? Fast track to six to nine months' time when there's so much certainty in the cost of money, when it starts to trend down, then you've got a combination of local buyers, owner-occupiers, competing with East Coast investors, which we've seen a real surge in the last 12 months because yields and rentals... It's a huge part of the buyer profile. It is. And and it's a a huge part of the profile of the listenership of this show these days. And again, we don't market to the East Coast, so they find us. Exactly, because they're interested in the market because yields and rental returns are so much higher in Western Australia than they are in Western Australia. Exactly. People over in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, they make the same, if not less, than people in Perth. They pay the same mortgage. So a lot of the time, just to get their foot in the property market, they're actually looking now to buy the in most Perth affordable market. just to buy into a market that consensus says is growing, which is great. You want to be buying in a growing market. But also just at a price point, they can actually afford for a reasonable yeah. brick and tile 600000 doesn't get you anything on the East Coast. Where in Perth, you know, you're in the market, you're in the capital you're in a city. family home. Exactly. So that affordability plays a huge role, but also the yield. So if you're going to buy an investment property in hypothetically Brisbane or Adelaide, you're looking at sub 3% yields. When the cash rate is at 4.1 and you're paying close to 6% of interest rate, but your return on that's only high twos, then it doesn't stack up. Your cash burn's too significant. Yeah, the negative gearing is a factor. Yeah, it is massively. But where you're buying into Perth, and this is where a lot of the East Coast investors are coming in, you can buy an established house at 4.5%, which means you're buying units and apartments at 6, 6.5%. So speaking of the agents who operate, say, East Perth and the city, they're getting a lot of East Coast interest to buy up these apartments on 6.5% because it's cash flow positive. The only place in Australia we can get cash flow positive properties is Western Australia. Yeah, but it has been. Perth's yep. always had the highest rental yields in the country. Yep. And that's because our property is undervalued compared to the cost of living and compared to rental prices, right? Yep. Rental prices are a part of cost of living. But look at the rental space at the moment. The balance market for Perth in the rental space is typically around 10,000 properties in the rental space. We're now down to a space where we've got sub 2,000 properties on the market. It's been rent. like that for so quite what, a while. So what are we seeing? We're seeing rents continually rise and rise again. And, and you know, that's not going away. And the inability to bring on stock, which you can talk through the building improvers, is only going to put more stress in this rental environment. So if yields continue to rise, that means we're going to continue to see East Coast interest competing with local owner occupiers, competing with local investors. Once money starts to become cheaper or stagnates, 
and the confidence returns, that's when the herd mentality starts to progress. So we're in a situation now where we're really only competing with own occupiers and some East Coast investors. There's not as much local investment. And it's very difficult to buy in the current environment. Like I said, we've got eight buyers agents on the ground. For us, we do this every day and we typically transact 20 properties a month. We're finding it really difficult. But fast track six to 12 months, this problem's only going to get worse. So my advice to anyone looking to buy is try to understand where the market's going. And yes, it's a difficult environment, but it's definitely going to get harder before it gets easier. Let's talk about the secret sauce. Let's talk about some of those strategies that you recommend people start to consider implementing. Obviously, one of those is get ahead of the market, pay a bit more than you thought you had to. It's a strategy to buy a property, but there are some far more effective ways that I I know that you guys are having those strategic, pardon the pun, conversations on a daily basis with a lot of these real estate agents. Surely the first one would be start to build relationships with the real estate agents you know sell the properties you want to buy. Oh, without a doubt, you need a strong relationship. You know, it's very much a seller's market now and, and agents carry a lot of weight. So it's important to have a really good relationship. They're there to do a job for the seller and that's to get the best price. Making sure you're working with them and making their job as easy as possible is what we try to do. How do we so do that as a buyer? It's been it's been really transparent. It's it's, it's been naturally just being a good person and, and trying to actually understand and respect their time. Not walking through home opening asking for everything and giving nothing back in return. So being very transparent, getting back to them, you know, sorry, we, we can't proceed on this property because it's outside of scope or it's outside of budget. Open up communication channels. For us, We've established these relationships back in 18, 19, and 20. So most of these agents now are our good friends, not just you know, people we buy properties off. We're, we're off having coffees and beers on a Thursday or a Friday because we've able, able to build a strong relationship. But for those just getting into the market, it's very difficult. But the worst thing you want to do is go on a home open, demand everything, yeah. try to overcomplicate contracts with ridiculous and unfair clauses. The seller's agent, even if you've got a price that's reasonable, is, is just not going to bother recommending They don't need to. They don't, yeah, they need, don't to. need to. Yeah. And understand, when you look at the cycles, what happens on the East Coast, Let's look at Adelaide for an example, very similar to where Perth was probably four or five years ago. In the same environment where rents increased significantly over a period of time, the market started to heat up. Adelaide typically is a private treaty sort of a market where there's a lot of properties sold, like they do in Perth, away from an auction environment. Perth's going to have auctions. In the next two years, wait till you see the market turn from a very much a private treaty environment to an auction environment. And then the ability to buy is even more difficult because you don't get more of a transparent environment when something who wins is a person who pays the who's most. got the deepest pockets. Okay. Then all strategy Which is not a win. Then there is there is strategies to compete at auction and we can talk to that in another episode because it's a different beast. But my advice to clients is you're in an environment where you can get a point of difference because you're in a private treaty environment where you've got a buyer and a seller, you've got an agent in between where you can start to leverage off the relationships. Mm. So the advice is, A, obviously respect the relationship, respect the sales agents, understand what they're trying to do. It's easy to get frustrated when you miss out on a property and go, well, that was unfair, you didn't advise me. Um, you know, Don't you, burn your bridges because exactly. they'll, they'll probably sell the next property you're looking for. Don't burn your bridges and they've got a job to do. And if that's to get the best price for the seller, they've done their job. You've got to understand who they're working for. So respecting that relationship, but also trying to make their job as easy as possible. The deals that we pull together and I look at still 70%, 80% of the properties we buy are off market. How do we do that? Because the argument is, why would someone sell a property off market? Well, you miss market, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It sounds crazy. It does, but there's more than just money at the end of the day for a lot of people, right? There's privacy. There's always you know, the ability not to disclose why they're selling. There could be family situation or you know, we've seen divorces where people want to keep things very private or they're in a situation where they may have overpaid and have overleveraged and they need a quicker sale. So it's being there at the forefront to be able to give a seller more than just the price. Probably 30% of the deals that we're pulling together at the moment, we're offering longer settlements and leasebacks. So that gives someone an opportunity 
to, you know, as a seller, what's the biggest problem in the market for a seller and why won't they sell? Lack of mobility. Where are you going to move to? Yeah. You can't get a rental property. You know, you can't probably even find anything on flatmates.com and you can't buy anything. So the fear of selling, it's like, well, where am I going to go? So let's ease that burden. We'll give you a six-month rent back and a six-month settlement. And if you want to leave in a month and a half, that's fine. Absolutely. You've in. got the option to do that. Yeah. But trying to create a situation where it de-stresses it for the seller. And for that scenario, that that, that means more than an extra $50,000. It yeah. probably unlocks a lot of properties. It does. I reckon there would be a thousand properties right now where the seller is actually wanting to more, sell more probably oh, definitely yep. definitely more and they're just not taking to market and the reason they're telling the sales agent who, who's looking for listings because one thing they don't have is listings obviously yep. is look i would sell but only if you find me somewhere to live yeah and well, they can't well think of the last that portion that's, of, that's their job right now is this mobility exactly well think of the last portion of owners typically baby boomers or people enter into older phases of life they're on bigger properties and they need to be downsizing but where are they downsizing to? So we've got a no lot of building it. apartments. Exactly. So I look at the one we just purchased in Leaderville four weeks ago. Older lady, need to find a downsize of property. So fearful to sell because so fearful to be, be homeless. And he's exactly that's how we structured the deal. We paid one one for a property that I honestly believe it goes to market, could go for one one five. And we're not shying away from that. We're not trying to, to buy under. But what we've been able to offer her was a six month lease back free because who wants to rent their own property back? Instead of saying, you know, we'll give you one, we'll give you one, two, we'll give you a six-month leasing-free period, where you can live in your own home while you find something else. You've got the money in the bank account, so then when you put offers forward, you can go in with clean terms. And then if you need an additional six months at market rate, we can offer that as well. So she's got the security that for at least a year, if she's going to have money in the bank account, where she can go around and start looking for opportunities and being able to put cash offers forward because the money's in the bank account. One thing to offer a long settlement, but the long settlement doesn't help a lot of buyers because they need the money in the account for the serviceability. You go try to buy a property now with a finance clause, good luck. Like mm. you need to have a point of difference on your offer and that's off in really good terms, not just on a price. How many of your clients, are, I've seen this a number of times now, I'm not sure whether it's something that is advisable, it is a, it is a risk, but it's a calculated risk. I know a lot of people pull off quite well is they'll be putting cash offers in where they're not cash, but they've got pre-approval from the bank and they know that they will get the money, obviously. Yep. And they will put a 60-day cash term in where obviously it's, it's not, not cash. cash, but yep. the first 30 days is them just getting their pre-approval finalized to a full approval and then they settle. Have That's you, a good do you question. see that a lot? Is well, 95% of our clients are in that situation. And okay. this is probably the most misunderstood thing in the industry. And sales agents sometimes can get a little bit upset when you talk about cash offers. Cash offer isn't, a cash I've, offer. I've got a million dollars yeah. in the bank account. Here it is. Because yeah. why would you? Like a property, the, the beauty of investing in property is leverage. Yeah. So even if you have a million dollars in the bank account, you'd be doing yourself a disservice by not using the bank's money. So then when, when you get a valuation through and they're like, oh, we need to get the value through next week, the selling agent goes, well, it's a cash offer. Why are you getting a value through? Doesn't mean it's a cash deal. Yeah, it, it just means, means that we're waiving no the right. Finance, exactly. Yeah. We've got confidence. And if, if if we can't finance it, well, it's our problem, we not lose yours. We deposit. Yeah. Well, and, and, we're happy to take that risk. Yeah. But yeah. We've, we won't take on a client and this is why getting your ducks in the row is so important you don't just go shopping day one without having a look of what you actually can afford having a pre-approval in place because it might get to the situation where there's a number of offers and the agent wants to call your broker to make sure you're good for it so having a pre-approval being really really organized carries a lot of weight and so we work with our clients we work with their brokers so then for putting an offer on something cash offer at 1.2 where their budget might have been 115 we call the broker are we going to have any issues on this you've got to put some responsibility back on the broker back on the bank to say no we're very comfortable up to 1.2 you can go in on cash offer terms because i'm very confident on the finance that's their job is to give their clients the advice on what they can and can't afford and what they can and can't borrow and making sure you're talking to the clients if evaluation was to come in short because understand we haven't had evaluation come in short in five years since we've been buying well, here speaking to brennan ptolemy 
I think it was four weeks ago on the podcast, he said that he's not even using recent data anymore. He's using recent under contracts. We have that to. Is yeah, it's a moving market. And that there's nearly no risk now on his insurance premium of overpricing it. It's yep. The risk is actually that they may even be struggling to get the data to demonstrate to what they know it. is value. Yeah. Well, market value is, you know, as we know, and this is what the one that just sold in Duncraig yesterday for one, two. Arguably, it sold $100,000 over market value, but there's multiple offers, so you can't argue that point. That's worth one one. If you get one two now, because if you've got multiple offers at one two in an open, transparent environment, that becomes market value. So when I go back to it, willing buyer, willing seller. Exactly. Yeah, in, in an arm's length transaction. So that's the definition of market value. So you can't argue that someone's overpaid for that because they haven't. And that's a value whose job is to support that. And they can't argue that it's not worth that when they've got a multiple offer situation. But in saying that, I'm an ex valuer. As you know, I was a valuer for seven years. We're conservative by nature. And particularly if it's an off-market transaction, that's when you can argue it's not market value because it wasn't in an open forum. So you're going to get to a situation, we haven't seen it yet, but we're going to start seeing valves coming short. The biggest problem is if, if you buy a property and you've gone in on cash terms and the valuation comes in $100,000 short, well, the bank's only going to lend you what the value will come in, you know, arguably what the value will come in mm. as market and value. And it's about having those conversations with the valuer. Well, that's why we're making sure we're their clients. We're, we're having those conversations. If this was to come in short, do you have cash reserves to be able to make up that difference for the extra fifty dollars or $100,000? It's not that the property's not worth that because we know we've got the data, we've got the evidence, we've got the under contract sales to support that figure. But it's been ready for that. Going into a rising market is a different beast because we haven't been there in Perth since 2006. It's a long time ago. Mm. So you've got to understand what's coming. Auctions are coming. Valuations coming in short are definitely going to come. And you're going to come into a market that's a lot harder to buy than, than we're currently in. Uh, subject sale purchases. I have a lot of friends, unfortunately, not out of preference, out of reality, where because they're looking to upsize and because most of their savings equity is tied up in the existing property they've got and because servicing keeps getting tighter and tighter, they're in this awkward position where they're living in the house that they've got right now with a mortgage that might be worth 700 grand they want to go to 1.5 but the only way they can actually buy that property is a subject sale given Mm. the fact that they don't want to be homeless as well the timing of that's really awkward but also what is a reality is i don't know any sales agent that would sell yeah, no one's accepting yeah right now is that are you noticing that too oh absolutely their job is to get the best offers for, for their clients right and you've got a, three cash offers two finance offers and a subject sale subject sale has been put in the bin and that's what i say to clients we've got clients that come in that same situation all the time and it's just structuring that so you can get yourself in a situation where you can compete with finance terms and, and cash terms and still have a sale ready to go it can be done in the last is six it risky months, though not, not if it's structured and if you're really, really organized. So we've had three in the last probably four months where we've bought properties and sold properties in that same settlement window. So we've got a client that is, is subject sale by nature, but we're not putting that in the contract. But the moment we put that in the contract, we've done our client, the buyer, disservice because their inability to buy that property. But they've purchased in that window and then within the next four weeks, we've sold their property and then we've had simultaneous settlement. Does that mean that you just given the reality of where you're at, you may need to be a little bit flexible on your sale price to get the sale in the time you need to settle on the purchase. So in that situation, we're using a finance finance clause as the safety net because you've got a 30-day finance clause. So in that scenario, if you can't sell that property within 30 days, well, the bank's not going to give you the money. Yeah, you'll get your decline well, from they the can't. bank. Of course it is. You're not doing anything wrong by anyone by not being fully transparent about what the situation is. You've got a finance clause. And if you can't sell the property, the bank's not going to lend you the money. But to do that, you've got to be really, really organized. Like you can't buy a property Saturday and then expect just to launch a property on Wednesday. It's having it ready to go to market 
yesterday. And then if I do find the right opportunity over the weekend and we've got an offer accepted on Sunday, this property's online Sunday night. We're having home opens Wednesday, Saturday. Within the first two to three weeks, that property's sold. Mm. And that can be conversed with the selling agent. And if you're fully transparent and say, look, this is a scenario, we back ourselves in, here's the property, we don't foresee any issues. It doesn't complicate it like a subject sale. And it's showing the level of preparation that we're not just another seller that's thinking about buying something and then we're going to try to sell our property. No, it's ready to go. We've been ready to go for for six to eight weeks. We just haven't found the right property. When we're buying a property, a lot of people were still nervous about dotting their I's, crossing their T's when it comes to building inspections. Yeah, due diligence inspections all that dude i mean you know you're buying your first house your second house your your dad will still say mate make sure you're getting building inspection yep. that is an important factor in any purchase especially when it's going to be the family home but i note that that also can be an impediment to competing how do you guys get around that all having still some safety around what you're buying structurally but also competing yeah, it's, it's just been really, really organized. So hypothetically, so we've, got, we've got properties now that will inspect on a Tuesday and they're not going to get launched until Thursday or Friday, right? We've got really strong relationships with the agents. But they'll come back to us and say, we've got to go to home open because we've got to do the right thing by the client. So we need a competitive environment. We can get you through before, but I've got an obligation to get as many people through the property and we've got to respect that. So what we'll do, we'll get through on a Tuesday. So we're completing our inspection. We'll get the building inspector through there on the same so day. We'll put some money at risk. Absolutely, yeah. We've got so to get you're in front. buyers should probably allow themselves avail themselves a bit of a pool of building inspector Without a, doubt, a budget money. a budget for yeah. you think a six hundred dollar report for a building and pest you spend four or five of them on a eight hundred thousand dollar property becomes pretty insignificant pretty quickly so we just get really really organized we get so we go through on a tuesday we get the building inspector through we do all of our due diligence and you understand our due diligence process is extremely thorough we go into a lot of depth in terms of what's surrounding properties what the zoning what the potential use for the property what's underneath with easements what's above the property all that sort of information we can have done and ready for the thursday so come the saturday we've got an unconditional offer no building and pest because we're comfortable with it if there's issues we've had a couple of days to call builders and say is there going to be any risk with the some beams in the roof or we've got quotes we can we can be really really organized so then come saturday at the home open we've got 50 groups that have gone through the property home opens at 12 it finishes at 12 30 we've got a really strong cash offer in at 12 45 and we've got the deal wrapped up by two o'clock on a saturday by the time people have gone home saturday night thought about the property got up sunday went back and had a look at the property ring up the agent on monday to put an offer in they've missed it by 48 hours that segues to our next question on on tips for buying some people would be concerned about being the first buyer, the first offer, worrying that the sales agent will use that as a, a benchmark to be able to then play other offers against it where he or she will say, oh, look, I've already got an offer that is you know, mid to high ones. Mm. And you might have a really strong offer there, but in a market like this, they use you, they use that to be able to garner better offers. The other side of the coin is to say, Hey, Steve, when's the last minute you're going to be taking offers for? Make sure you tell me and I'll put that in the minute like, minute at the end. And in that time, you could say, well, look, what is, yeah, is, is high one still going to get it, Steve? Oh, nah, it's probably going to be a two. All right, well, I can afford to. I'll give you two now. Yeah, again, it's from an agent's point of view, you got to look at what their job is and it's to get the best sale price. And, and that's their, their obligation. So people can try to be cheeky like that, but I find often it just annoys the agent, right? If we try to be too cheeky and get our offer in the last minute, well, they'll say, well, I don't really need you guys. So again, yes, there's always a strategy and I certainly will never present an offer for an agent to hold at a home open because then the question gets asked, do you have any offers? Yes, we do. And it's well above the ask. Well, then that's when it's a situation. So I'll never let an agent have an, an offer in the hand 
whilst people are walking through. But after that point, I'm happy to be the first in and be really transparent about it because if we're really easy to deal with and I've made their life easy and said, look, here's our offer. We are looking at other properties, which we always are for clients, right? Yeah, we need an answer. Yeah, we we don't have, we can't afford 48 hours because there's two other properties we may be considering. I don't want to be impatient. I don't want to push you too aggressively, but do you think you could get, you know, present this to the owner within a timely fashion? Being very respectful, being very transparent about that, you'll find that they'll be willing to work with you on that rather than being trying to be too cheeky or try to reinvent the wheel and understand we've, we've just submitted an offer, a cash offer with no finance terms, with no building and pest. And we've just given the owner a three-month lease back for zero That's rent. as good as it gets. Well, then why wouldn't they want to deal with that offer? Mm. They probably don't need to go back to the well and call up all their buyers. Even if the price might not be exactly where they want it to be, they'll yeah. come back to you and, and communicate that. Absolutely. So, look, you're pretty close to the market. Basis, yeah. They couldn't beat that. Exactly. We really like the terms, but probably $50,000 off on price. You know, we have the conversation with the client and say, look, can we meet in the middle somewhere? Yeah, everyone's comfortable. We've got a we've got a seller that that's got a really good price and really good terms. We've got a buyer that we think we've bought really well and we haven't overpaid. And we've got a sales agent that's been really happy with the process because they don't have a million headaches trying to orchestrate building and pests, trying to orchestrate a buyer that's never bought a property before. They're busy at the moment, right? So make their job easy. Make them want to work with you, not the opposite. Because if you, you try to make their life too difficult and I know other buyers agency out there complicate deals with these ridiculous due diligence periods and you're never going to buy it. And that's the fact. And you're going to cost your clients money because you're trying to be too cheeky. We're not in an environment where we can do that like we could in 18 and 19. You know, we're just not in that environment anymore. Lachlan, it's been a fantastic chat today. I think there's some really insightful realities and commentary there that buyers, whether using a buyer's agent or not, can start to take on board when they hit the negotiation table coming up next weekend. It is a tough market out there. That is the reality. People need to accept the fact that they're probably not going to secure a property below asking price in this market and that the reality is it's the terms, it's the flexibility, it's the genuine nature of the offer that is probably going to give them the best shot at buying in this market in West Australia at any price point, whether it's 300 grand or a million dollars or $2 million or $10 million in Western Australia. They are all price points that are transacting right now in the tightest market since Kevin Rudd was the Prime (laughs) Minister. Lachlan, thanks so much for your time, mate. And I'm sure we'll have another chat about this in the future when maybe the power dynamic has swung a little bit to the opposite direction. I think we're in for a long haul, Trent. So hopefully I'm on the podcast before the next three to four years. But happy to jump on and, and have a chat again. Really we'll be enjoyed having it. coffee anyway. Thanks, Absolutely. mate. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!